Turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24. 2 Kings is to the left of Psalms. 1 and 2 Kings is basically the report, the story of what happens when Israel does not live in worship and obedience to God. We're going to jump into the middle of a story, but it won't take long to see where the story is going. Chapter 6, verse 24. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, donkey head soup. Um, you know, I can envision that dove's dung. I don't have a clue. I don't know what they did with it. But anyway, uh, verse 26. One day as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called out to him, Please help me, my lord the king. And he answered, if the Lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But then the king asked, what is, what is the matter? And she replied, this woman said to me, come on, let's eat your son today and then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. And the next day I said to her, kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden him. The, the woman is not bemoaning the fact that they have, have killed and cooked and eaten her son. She is frustrated because this woman has hidden her son and they can't eat him. I just picture that. Wow. What a, what a desperate picture and yet all of this is a picture of man without Christ. Despairing, hopeless, uh, spiritually and, and emotionally starving, uh, basically on the brink of death. That's the situation here. Now let's skip to chapter 7. Just roll over the page maybe. Verse 3. Now, there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked one another. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the sound, the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. They cried to one another, so they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. 
And when the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. And finally, they said to one another, and I really want you to notice these words, this is not right. This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. And if we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let us go back and tell the people at the palace. And if we fast forward, that's exactly what happened. They went back, they shared the good news, and Israel was saved. As believers, we are just like these four lepers. We have experienced a miracle, and we have life in Jesus. Amen? And we have good news to share with others. There is, if you see on the screen, I put a statement there. It is perfectly right to enjoy the blessings of the good news of Jesus. And that's what we're doing this morning. We are enjoying being fed. It's great. It's awesome. But it is completely wrong to keep that message to yourself. We have a moral, we have an ethical, and we have a spiritual responsibility to share the good news with other people. But to be honest... We aren't doing that. In 1993, a Barna survey indicated that 89% of Christians believed they had a personal responsibility to share their faith. Now, that didn't mean that they're necessarily doing that, but they, at least they embraced that responsibility to share their faith with other people. By 2018, that percentage had dropped to 64%. That is a 25% drop in Christians embracing the responsibility and the privilege to share Jesus with others. And in this post-COVID world, those statistics have not increased. The leper said, this is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it. So what are we supposed to do about that? How do we handle that? This morning, I want us to look at four reasons why you may not be sharing Christ and the solutions. But before we look at that, I want you to look at a short video. So if you look on the screen, you'll see that. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That is a wild picture. And did you notice? Y'all didn't think it was nearly as wild as I did. I looked at it and I thought, 
That is really cool. But did you notice, she didn't have a clue what was going on. But in love, he kept pursuing her. And God in love pursues us. And he expects and wants us to pursue others and share the good news of Jesus with them. So, first reason, why do we sometimes not? First reason we may not share Christ is you may feel like you don't know how to begin the conversation. There's no memorized script. Uh, You know, this guy here, he had not necessarily thought, okay, I'm going to end up moving forward two or three times. Uh, There's no script. Things change. It's just loving people. That's first and last. It's just loving people, caring enough to be uh, involved in their lives and making sure that you smile. Uh, But to help make it a little bit more practical, you say, Bill, I need more than love and a smile. Let me give you three questions that I use to help begin gospel conversations. Number one, What is the best decision you've ever made? You're talking with somebody. All of these, you know, it just depends on, on where you are. If you're getting tires changed, you're standing in line, you're, you're, you're doing something where you're sitting down and having some type of a conversation with somebody, to ask them, what's the best decision you've ever made? And people are going to look at you the first time they hear that and go, wow, best decision I've ever made. You know, people are going to say something like, well, I got married uh, I started my business. I went to work for this company. Uh, I, I joined the military. People are going to give you all kinds of reasons. But what happens as they're sharing it, you're just laughing. You're not laughing, but you're smiling, rejoicing with them on the decisions that they have made. And then when they finish, you come say, could I share with you the best decision I've ever made? And then you just share your story. You share the miracle that God has done in your life. And you say, does that work? A while back, we had two men deliver furniture to our house. And as they finished, I walked out with them, back with them to the truck. And as they were putting stuff in the very back of the truck, I just asked, I said, hey, could I ask you a question? What's the best decision you've ever made? And one of them said that it uh, was uh, getting married. The other one said... Uh, Now, this one was starting a business. This one over here was getting married. I listened. I rejoiced with them. And I said, could I share with you the best decision I've ever made? And then I just shared Christ. I shared what happened as as God brought me to life in Jesus. I got through with the conversation. I said, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know you don't know me, but would you like to make that commitment to Christ? We could do that right here. Yeah. Yeah. One of them said, yeah, we would. I said, well, I probably need to ask the other guy too. Uh, But they both said yes, and just right there in my driveway, I had the privilege, both of these men bowed their heads and and received Christ as Lord and Savior. They were just a piece of fruit that was just hanging on the vine that just needed somebody to come and to share Jesus with them. Another one, can I share with you something that has helped me? I use this question all the time when people, you're talking to somebody and they're just complaining about, you know, or they're just expressing their struggles in life. My marriage, I think only idiots get married, you know. Uh, Somebody will say, you know, my kids are so bad, I wish I could send them back, but I don't think Amazon will take them. Um, 
Or, you know, you're going to have friends that will tell you somewhere along the way, you know, I think the only answer to life is a cold beer. And, you know, you, yeah, they're, they're expressing. But in all of that, they're crying out for help. They're expressing to you just from the heart, life is not good. I am not satisfied. There's a problem. So what do you do? You just say, could I share something with you that has helped me? And you share your story of how you have come to know life in Jesus. Third one, do you go to church anywhere? And you say, well, how do you just ask that? The same way you ask people all kinds of other things. Hey, did you see the Super Bowl? You know, wasn't that something? Boy, it sure is cold today, isn't it? You think it's going to rain? How about the Tigers, how they're doing? How about those potholes? Yeah, you're, you talk with people about that. I was at, the, at the Sam's the other day getting gas just a couple of days ago. I was talking with the guy uh, across the thing. We talked for just a few minutes. He said he was going to go home and, uh, and get some rest. And I said, hey, Sunday morning, if you're not doing anything, we'd love to have you come. I go to Bellevue Baptist Church. Wasn't quite an opportunity to share the gospel, but I planted a, a seed. Um, and if somebody, you know, if you can tell they don't want to talk about it, change the subject. But you never know if a door is open or closed until you knock on it. Amen. You have to knock on the door. If they say, you know, do you go to church? No, you need to share with them. But, you know, I didn't go to church for a long time too. But there came, there's situations in my life, and I realized life was empty, and I was looking for something. Somebody shared Jesus, invited, whatever it is, and just talk about what Jesus has done in your life. If they say, yes, <clears throat> have you, as you have been going to church, have you come to the place in your spiritual life, because they're already telling you they go to church, have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for sure that you have eternal life? Or is that something you're still working on? You say, does that work? Several months ago, maybe a year or so ago, they were putting some new offices down in, in the back uh, office area, and I was walking over to Steve's office uh, right outside his door. A guy's putting some carpet down, and I saw it, and I asked him, I said, I'll present over here. I said, can I walk on this? Because I didn't want to mess something up. And he said, yeah. And so as I'm walking on a cross, all of a sudden, I'm just prompted by the Holy Spirit, you need to try to share Jesus. Satan will never prompt you to share Jesus, okay? So if you, if, if you are ever prompted to have a conversation, that's not the devil, that's the Lord. So, okay, uh, <clears throat> hey, you're doing a, a, a great job here. Uh, and are you, have you been doing this long? Yeah, I've been doing it for several years. Are you from Memphis? No, I'm from Dyersburg. Dyersburg. Our pastor's from Dyersburg. And they said, I don't know who he is. But anyway, um, I said, do you, do you go to church in Dyersburg? Yeah, I go to so-and-so church. I said, well, let me ask you a question. As you've been going to church, have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for sure that you have eternal life? Or is that something you're still working on? Oh, I'm still working on that. I said, would you like to know that you have peace with God, that you're accepted in the family of God? If you died today going home, you'd spend eternity with Christ. 
Yeah. I shared my testimony. I shared a couple of verses of Scripture. And right outside the pastor's door, I led this man to faith in Jesus. That's not me. It's the Spirit of God. But, you know, I just happen to be the person that's there. Doors are there all around us. You never know if it's an open door or a closed door until you knock. So knock on the door, ask a question as to do they know Christ. Start a conversation. Second reason you might not share Jesus is you think you don't know enough and you don't want to mess it up. Now, I can almost assure you, you know enough, uh, but I want to help convince you. There's a great passage of John chapter 9 where uh, Jesus heals a man and they're asking him all kinds of questions, uh, Sanhedrin or whatever. And he said, listen, I I don't know. There's a whole lot I don't know. But one thing I know, once I was blind and now I see. If you're saved, then that's, that's your testimony. That's who you are. You have a story to share. If you don't want to mess up, share your story, share your testimony. It's something, you know, if you're saved, then you know how you were saved. There was a point in time you were lost. Uh, maybe, you know, as a child, maybe you realized you were lost and, and, and maybe you were a, a, an adult But somewhere along the way, the gospel came to you, whether it was somebody inviting you to church or somebody gave you a track or a friend or maybe as a a young person, your parents shared Christ with you. However it happened, somehow or another, the gospel came to you. You received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you were born again. You don't, even have to, you don't even have to take notes on your, on your story. Some of this stuff here will give you some verses and things. This is just your story. You know, and you can share that with others. Every time God gives you an opportunity, and be looking for those opportunities. But to further equip you, we have some things. Uh, There are gospel resources, two or three I really want to bring to your attention. One of these is this Share Jesus outline. Uh, It is there. They were on the outside. They're here. Uh, uh, It's also on our app. There are some questions to ask. There are verses of Scripture. There's also a track. Again, they're out there. They're always on both sides uh, of the platform up here. You can pick, pick these up how you can know the answer. They're great to be able to share with people, uh, to give to people, but then especially to share with other people. There's also an app. It's called Life on Mission. It's basically the three circles app, and you can either draw the circles yourself or the app really explains it. It's a free app. Just go to the app store, download it, It just talks about how, and there's verses of Scripture. They're all right there. It's an interactive app as you're going across. You know, we're born into a world. It's broken. Things are just messed up. It's not good. That's not God's design. But sin has entered into the world, and there's brokenness in our lives, and we try to fix that in all types of different ways. But the answer ultimately is the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, 
But the only way that we get that is to repent and to believe. And when we do, we recover and we are on that road to pursuing a relationship with God. All of that, it's just on that free app. It is there in front of you. All you have to do is just kind of grab hold of some of these things and share with other people. Somebody may still say, I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. You know, I'm just afraid I'm, I'm going to mess it up. The only way you mess up the gospel is by not sharing it. The only way you mess up the gospel is by not sharing the gospel. I primarily share three verses. This is me. You can share it however you want to. I have three verses, Romans uh, 3.23, we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. If we all along the edge of the Grand Canyon, try to jump across. Some will get further than others, but, but we all fall short of how God wants us to live. The wages of sin is death. You get a job, you earn wages. What we have earned for our sin is death. That means that we die. If we're not right with God, we're eternally separated from him, and there's just death in our hearts and souls. Gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's through what he did upon the cross for us. And in order to receive that, the Bible says, Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's it. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the gospel. However you want to share it. And you don't even have to get all the words right. If you misquote the verse, they don't know. You know, all have sinned and it's caused a huge problem with God. They don't know. People are saved by flawed presentations of the gospel. I know because I was. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, joined the church, got baptized. I was lost as could be. Came down to the University of Memphis, 200 miles from home, 2 million miles from God. Um, long ways from God. I had a fraternity brother. We used to party, do all this kind of stuff. His name was Mike Clark. I saw Mike's life change. Uh, I know he prayed for me, and I, I don't have time to go into all the details of how, but over a period of a couple of months after he'd been saved, I came to realize my need for something. And so I asked him, I said, Mike, how does a person get peace with God? <laughs> he just said, Listen, somebody gave me a track, and I went home, and there was a prayer at the, at the end of that track, and I just cried out to God. I just read the prayer on that track, and I just cried out to God, and he saved me. And if you'll go home and just cry out to God, he'll save you. Okay? I got home, got on my knees, still remember the words, said, Lord, I don't understand it all. I know I'm lost. Lord, here I am. I want to be saved. Will you come into my heart and life and save me? And he did. 48 years later, I'm still saved. But notice what Mike did not do. Mike did not share one verse of Scripture. Mike did not say one word about the virgin birth, the cross, or the resurrection. Mike did not say a word about repentance. He didn't say a word about lordship, nor did he offer to pray with me. But again, 48 years later, I'm still saved. He pointed me towards Jesus. And he didn't know any better. We've talked about it many times. He said, I just knew I was lost uh, and that I'd been saved. I knew you were lost and, and I loved you and I wanted you to be saved. So I wanted to share as best I could. 
Uh, and he did. I'm not promoting flawed presentations, okay? I'm not promoting just being lazy and saying, well, I'm just not going to, you know, try to understand this thing or get to where I can share it halfway well. But I'm saying flawed presentations of the gospel save people. And the only way you mess up the gospel is by not sharing it. Number three, third reason why some might not share Jesus, and that is that you have never experienced the joy of seeing someone saved. Luke 15.10 says, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Anyone that has ever led anyone to Christ knows, just like being becoming a parent, it is a joyful and a life-changing experience. Member of this church named Andy Taylor. Andy was in my discipleship group uh, a couple of years ago. Andy, uh, when he got in my group, was a committed Christian, a committed man, and uh, he talked with people about God all the time, invited people to church, but in his words, he had never really stepped out and shared the gospel. We started going through, we went through Brother Steve's book. Uh, it's one of the resources on, your, uh, on that handout, uh, Sharing Jesus Like It Matters. I don't think that's the name of it, but it's close. Um, it's on your sheet. And uh, so anyway, we went through that, and Andy and Harry Smith went out on one of these Share Jesus visits that we make. We're going to be doing that again the Sunday before Easter. The first nine houses they went to, Andy said, I don't know if anybody was home, I can't remember, but on the 10th house, he knocks on the door, nobody answers, there's a guy out in front of the car, out in front of the house, rolled his windows down and said, hey, they're not home, but they're going to be home soon. And so they go walking out, Andy's got this little bag, gives it to him, tells him we're inviting people to church and this and that. And the guy tells them why they're there. And so the guy says, well, <laughs> you know, I'm probably the one that really needs to talk with somebody about God. And he started a conversation. The man came to his place of realizing what he needed. And Andy asked him, said, sir, would you like to invite Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior? And he said, the man just sat there and has tears coming down his face. And he said, I felt like I was standing on holy ground. And he led him to the Lord, had gone on to witness to other peoples, even witnessed abroad in other countries, and uh, had led his uh, grandson to Christ. He led his father-in-law in the last stages of cancer to Christ. And has told me several times, leading somebody to Jesus has been a life-changing experience. But to do that, you've got to take that step. The last reason you might not share the good news is you simply have not yet been gripped by the love of God for lost people. The Bible says of Jesus that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Boy, what a picture of people without Christ, like sheep without a shepherd. Steve has often said that worship is where we give God our heart and he gives us his. But that exchange is just more than transactional. 
That exchange is transformational. When you and as you are giving your heart to the Lord, as you are worshiping, God does something in your heart. But worship is, worship is far more than just coming to church. Worship is far more than singing. Worship is far more than going to a life group. Worship is giving God your, your, your heart, your soul, your all. On Sunday and every other day of the week. I'll close with a story Mark Batterson tells. A century ago, a brand of a band of brave souls became known as one-way missionaries. They purchased single tickets to the mission field without the return half. And instead of suitcases, they packed their few earthly belongings into coffins. As they sailed out of port, they waved goodbye to every one they loved, everything they knew. They knew they'd never return. A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries. He set sail for the New Hebrides in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters who lived there had martyred every missionary before him. Wow. Milne did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was packed. For 35 years, he lived among that tribe, loved them, and shared Jesus. When he died, tribe members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this epitaph on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no dark. It's time for us to stop living like the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death.